In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus prays that the church would be one. It is not God's will for the church to be as it is, that is, divided. That there are so many different denominations goes against God's explicitly revealed will for the church. So what gives? Well, first, I think it's helpful to identify some of the causes of those divisions within the church. One cause is sin itself. Jesus speaks to this in Matthew chapter 18 when he urges believers to go to the one who has sinned against them in an effort to win the brother back. But if that person, that person who is in error refuses repentance, Jesus says that he is to be treated as a Gentile or a tax collector. This is a call to cut him off from the fellowship of the church. Paul also takes this up in 1 Corinthians when he commands the church to excommunicate a sexually immoral man. The reason the Lord commands the church to take this hard stand is not intended to cause divisions, but invariably it always does. This is because, as I've already said, sin divides us. It divides us first and foremost from God but it also divides us one from another. That's on display in our Old Testament reading as well. The hubris of rejecting God. In their hubris, the people at the Tower of Babel sought to cast off the Lord by building a tower and a stronghold that would reach up to heaven to protect him from his judgment. The resulting curse of mankind's attempt to be separated from God was that humanity would be divided from one another, not only by language, but also by geography. And the result of our ancestor's sin still plagues us to this day. Another cause of division in the church is false teaching, which is a very specific manifestation of sin. What we believe matters, because God himself has commanded it. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now we aren't to teach some or most of what Jesus teaches, but all according to his word. Unbelief in what God has commanded will cause us to be separated from him. And a failure to live our lives according to that word also separates us then from one another. This lack of believing and living as if God's word is true reveals in our hearts a proper lack of fear, love, and trust in God. We don't have it. That is, we are guilty of breaking the first commandment. And we have done what we know that God tells us not to do in his word. We show that we do not believe the God of the Bible, the same one that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus says in the gospel reading for today, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, 
And my father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. It's often claimed that those of us who insist on right doctrine are the real problem. But this right teaching isn't decided by what's popular. It is worth noting that nowhere in the Bible do the biblical authors criticize those who insist on right teaching. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when St. Paul speaks of the divisions in that congregation, he actually speaks favorably towards those who held to the truth of God's word over man's opinion. Here's what he says. There must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine may be recognized. That the fact that there are divisions um, allowed the people in Corinth to see what was true versus what was false. This means that you and I do not have the luxury of determining what doctrines to preach and what doctrines to simply leave aside just for the sake of outward unity with other Christians or even for the sake of people in the world liking us. In fact, there is only one way for true unity to be found in the church, and that is through the true and pure teaching of God's word. And this is precisely what we saw in our reading from the book of Acts. There, we heard of this truly diverse group of people from all over the ancient world, which didn't have very much in common with one another. They were a mixture of various tribes, languages, and peoples. And yet, as the apostles spoke of the great works of God, the people heard and understood in their own languages. But what are these great works of God? that brought this group of people together? What caused this unity among such a diverse group? We're not told directly, but I think we can use the biblical narrative overall to fill in the gap for us. One story that I think is likely to have been proclaimed is the story of Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt as they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. The Old Testament authors refer to this story constantly from the book of Exodus on all the way up to Malachi, and I believe it has a prominent place in the preaching on Pentecost. Perhaps another great work of God would have been the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, which was when God declared the people of Israel to be his people, his own chosen nation out of all the nations of the world. In fact, this is what the day of Pentecost, stretching all the way back to the Old Testament, was all about to begin with. And perhaps another story that was how God delivered his people of Israel finally into the promised land as they crossed over the Jordan River and he cast out their enemies before them under the command of Joshua. In all of these things, God delivered on the promises that he made. However, that's all speculation. I will admit that. 
But there is one story that we know for sure that was proclaimed in the midst of all of these great works of God. Because Peter stands up in the midst of the twelve and he begins to preach about the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the one who died for the sins of the whole world and who was raised also for our salvation. This is the greatest work of God, and it is what joins humanity into one family, the church. No matter what tribe or language or people that we hail from, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is, those who properly fear, love, and trust in God above all things, who trust Christ as their Savior, these are those who will be saved. It is through this message and this message alone that the Holy Spirit causes the one holy Christian and apostolic church to be brought into existence. Though we may not see this unity on this side of glory, our Lord Jesus Christ assures us that it is in fact there. And his word is enough for us. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.